It's January 29th, 2020, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. First up, we have Jesse Radovich from uh, the College of Tropical Ag and HR, or Human Resources, and she here's, she's here to join us to tell us about an event called CITAR Day. And then uh, Suchandra Thapa is here to tell us about the upcoming Unvoxed Unconference. And of course, last but not least, we're going to be joined by Richard Zeng and Kat Windham from SurfPack to tell us about a data center that they just uh, are, are building and, of course, what makes the Internet work. Now it's my pleasure to welcome uh, Jesse Radovich. Uh, she's an education specialist from the College of Tropical Ag, and she's here to tell us about the first annual CTAR Day. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much, Bert. How are you? I'm really good. And CITAR, <laughs> you know, CITAR, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of familiar with them because they do a lot of uh, ag stuff. And, you know, we've partnered with them on a number of um, – we did a, we did an agathon a couple of years ago and uh, brought people together to sort of come up with some ways of solving uh, some ag, you know, challenges and issues. And so I was working with the uh, the CITAR folks. But um, – this is the first uh, CTAR day, and I figured maybe you guys have been in—you guys have been around for so long. I mean, wh- how come only now you're having a first uh, <laughs> a CTAR open house? Yes, um, we're actually the founding college of UH back in 1907, um, and so we're just ramping up um, kind of our uh, information about the college. We want everybody to know who we are, mm-hmm. and um, so this is the first time we're doing um, a large open house event. Um, it will be happening on January 31st at a UH Manoa Campus Center from 10 to 2 p.m. And that's this Friday. This already. Friday, yeah. A couple now, of now, days from give now. Give us a little background on what exactly, you know, if people don't know what CITAR does, I mean, what is your primary, um, let's say, mission? Okay. Um, oh, my goodness. I have, <laughs> I have not memorized our mission. Sorry, well, I'm a little you can bit new to this job. but. <laughs> Okay, um, so so we are the College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources. So basically, um, we are a land the land grant university that um, works. We work with agriculture and basically everything that has to do with um, helping people live. So we have a diverse a variety of programs that actually goes um, everywhere from clothing people, so like our fashion design um, and merchandising mm-hmm. program. Uh, to uh, biotechnology and uh, molecular biology, also uh, human resources, and um, um, would be our uh, family uh, development, and um, also food science and human nutrition. So we kind of just run the whole gambit of what it takes for people to. Well, you know, back in a day when <clears throat> when sugar and pineapple were the the major crops. I mean, I know Sitar uh, had a lot of focus on that, but then as 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 those crops. Uh, transition to more of a diversified uh, agriculture, uh, CITAR had to kind of broaden their scope as well, right? Because they support everything from, you know, growing anthuriums to papaya. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, there, yeah, there's there's just a, a hugely diverse um, uh, range of topics that our researchers work on. Like, uh, we, for example, we have um, somebody in our uh, molecular biosciences and biotechnology program who is uh, working to look at toxins from Hawaiian cone snails and how that can help with pain relief. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so that they, 
our, our programs really touch on a lot of different um, So the, the, <clears throat> the purpose of the uh, CITAR Day, kind of an open house, I mean, what is it that you want to uh, accomplish as a result of that? So we really just want to um, showcase our research and extension programs and organizations that stem from our alumni. So we have, um, we'll be having um, interactive booths for th things for people to do and see, um, to know exactly what all of our programs are doing and and how it affects the community. Now, are you are is the is the outcome perhaps uh, to to uh, attract more students? Sure, absolutely. So part of um, what we're doing is um, we will have over two hundred high school students. Students attending mm -hmm. from Waipahu High School, Farrington High School, and Hawaii Tech Academy. So they'll be um, having a field trip there that day, as well as um, all the other UH students on campus that may not know a lot about what what it is um, our programs offer, and so that they can get a good look and and maybe say, hey, oh, this looks like a great major. Maybe I want to, you know, do some cow farming now. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, very good. Well, okay, so where can people find out more about this and perhaps uh, sign up? Um, so you you can go to our website www.ctar.hawaii.edu. So that's c t a h r. Hawaii.edu and um, come on down to Manoa on um, the thirty first this Friday from ten to two. Uh, you go ahead and park in the uh, the camp the large um, campus parking on the bottom by the Stan Sheriff Center. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, well, you. and thanks, uh, Jesse, for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you. And, of course, uh, we want to now welcome Suchandra Thapa. And he's, of course, a coder organizer. And he, he's here to tell us about something called the Unvoxed uh, in Hawaii. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you, Bert. So I, I know uh, Suchandra from, um, you know, his uh, work in uh, Code for Hawaii and, and um, I guess, rallying some of the, the developers in town. So tell me, I know Unvoxed has been going on for about, Three years, right? Yeah, this is going to be the third year. And and so describe, I mean, what, what is this? So it's an on-conference. Um, basically what happens is all the attendees each morning um, talk about or vote on the topics that they'd like to talk about. And you end up with different sessions based on which topics are draw the most interest. And people sort of break off into these sessions, talk about things. Um, talk, and if you're in a session and you, it's not as interesting as you thought it would be, you're free to just stand up and go to another session. So it's very informal, mm -hmm. lots of networking. Um, it's a great way to discuss a wide range of tech-related topics as well as things that are sort of associated with tech but not necessarily like work-life balance and that sort of thing. So, you know, I've uh, run a, a, a bunch of um, unconferences, and, and they tend to be uh, guided in some manner by the organizers to focus in particular areas. So I'm wondering, you know, in terms of the Unvox, is there some guiding principle upon which you would attract uh, the kind of people you want to attract in terms of the topics that you want to Talk about? Um, so the organizers, uh, Chris and some of the um, other people, they are coming from a Java, JVM background. So there's a lot of uh, focus on Java, Scala, and other languages that run on uh, the JVM. But it's pretty open. So um, if, you want, if you'd like to talk about Python, you're, people are free to 
sort of vote for that and try to get a session on Python mm-hmm. or even unrelated things such as working with developers or how to manage um, working as a developer and like having a life outside of. Right, 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 right. So the, the, the real um, audience <coughs> participants uh, for the Unbox would probably be kind of the developer uh, audience, right? I mean, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of them in town. I mean, and they, like you said, they're, they kind of run the gamut across the spectrum of various uh, languages that they might be uh, interested in. I mean, if somebody wanted to come in and, and uh, do a session on, on AI or machine learning, I mean, they could certainly do that. Yes, yeah, right? certainly. Um, and it's pretty open. Um, that's a great thing about unconferences. It's a lot of it's guided ba- based on who's there and what people are interested in talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So typically, what you do is you come in and and you probably have some kind of a matrix, and people would uh, put put down what their topic of interest is, and then would will there be like a voting for what you know what topics get on the board? Yeah. So last um, the last conference I was at uh, at Unboxed uh, in twenty nineteen. Everyone had two or three sticky notes where they mm-hmm. put the topics that they wanted to talk about. And uh, once everyone sort of wrote what they were interested in on the sticky notes, uh, it was put on board and the sticky notes were sort of grouped by general themes. And that's sort of how sessions were generated. Um, the themes that had the most sticky notes were chosen. and Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, <clears throat> you have a deadline coming up, and that's kind of why this is timely. Now the event doesn't happen until February twenty fourth, correct? Yes, but there a, is a deadline mm-hmm. coming up. Yeah, um, so the uh, deadline for registration is January thirty first, thirty first this Thursday or Fri- fr- Friday. Friday. Yeah, and so uh, what does that mean? They have to go in on the website and sign up. Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then uh, what's the website? The website is voxdays.com slash y. So v o x x e d days dot com slash y. Okay, very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. Thanks, Shushandra, mm-hmm. for joining us. Yeah, thank you. And, of course, we'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be joined by Richard Zeng and Kat Windham from SurfPack to talk about data centers and making the Internet work. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Pacific Database, Shamanad University, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Aloha, my name is Janet Coney, General Manager of the historic Kilauea Lodge and Restaurant in Volcano, Hawaii, and we are a proud underwriter of HPR. Kilauea Lodge has a long history of providing high-quality service to our mainland and Kama'aina guests alike. Underwriting is the perfect way for us to spread our message of hospitality and community engagement. We can't wait to see where our partnership with HPR will take us next. Hawaii Public Radio Underwriting, your message heard here. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe, and of course, uh, I'm happy to have Richard Zang and Kat Windham, and they're here to uh, talk about SurfPack. But um, Richard is the uh, president, and of course, Kat is the director of operations over at SurfPack, and they are one of uh, Hawaii's premier data centers. Now, you know, <clears throat> I want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, now, before you. we get into the uh, kind of the the details, um, well. First off, uh, I want to give you, Kat, the opportunity to share with us a little bit about what the announcement that was made at the recent 
Pacific Telecommunications Conference, which uh, a lot of us attended last week, and and it was kind of a convening of it's an, it's an annual event. You know, a lot of the um, the big bandwidth folks, the data center folks, the you know the content folks. I mean, all the all the folks out of the whole Pacific sort of region, Pacific Rim, attend this conference. So it was a, a pretty major um, uh, event. And of course, uh, you guys had an announcement, Kat. So why don't you share a little bit about that? Okay, so we're making a major announcement. Surfpack is um, going to be opening a data center in June. Mm-hmm. And and uh, where is this located? Uh, this is in Mililani Tech Park. And then uh, maybe uh, Richard, let me tell us a little bit about you know what does Surfpack do because Surfpack's been around for a little while, right? And I remember chatting with you over at PTC, and it was like one of the. I I, I sometimes claim that PTC is like a well kept secret, but uh, mm. Surfback is a pretty well kept secret too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for having us, uh, sure. Bert. So Surfback uh, started in 2004. So we have been providing telecom services and managing the services for business in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, we look at the market, and you know we have been providing you know phones, internet, cloud, and uh, we see a need, a demand for data center in Hawaii. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's why we look at you know what's the options, and uh, we think that there is the opportunity here to build a you know large data center in Minnelani Tech Park. Mm-hmm. No, no, Ked. I mean the 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 businesses. I mean your operations. So the businesses that you currently are in are. Kind of like what the what the phone company provides, or what 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 sort of describe some of the services that Surfpack might uh, deliver. Okay, so we do voice over IP, okay. so voice over internet. Mm-hmm. We are also one of the few providers that can deploy our own fiber. So we have our own fiber infrastructure. Um, we also do cloud services, and we just got into managed services and IT. So it's a very exciting time for us. Um, of course, now this milestone of us building this data center, yeah. huge. Yeah, no, this is great. Now, <clears throat> uh, Richard, so in terms of uh, the details of the, the data center, I mean, this is in Milani Tech Park, and this is a, a building that you uh, recently acquired. Now, tell us a little, little bit about that. Right, right. Okay, yeah. This, so this, uh, this property is in, uh, the land is five acres, mm-hmm. and there's already a building existing there. It's a 30,000 square foot building. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to make half of the building a data center. Mm-hmm. The other half we're going to use for disaster disaster recovery for businesses. And and uh, um, in terms of uh, let's say disaster recovery, what mm-hmm. would the what would that piece of the property have in it versus the data center? Right, right. That's a good question. So if you look at the um, you know Hawaii, majority of the businesses, like ninety percent of them are. In South Shore, like Oahu, mm-hmm. it's really close to the ocean. So you, if we have a hurricane or a tsunami or a major natural disaster, uh, you know, businesses need some space to work, right? You're talking about, you know, bank need to process the checks and the insurance company to issue, you know, payments and those things. So lots of businesses need a physical space so they can go there. And uh, in what's nice about our space is has you know generator has cafeteria has a shower so people can stay there as long as they need to get a work done. Mm-hmm. And you know in terms of the uh, you know the businesses that would leverage let's say the disaster recovery space mm-hmm. uh, would they have have perhaps encountered something kind of catastrophic? I mean. You're, you're talking about a sort of a major event that now they can't work in their space so they have to 
you know, sort of work in your space. Right, right. Can be a major natural disaster which you know shut down the the whole area. Could be a localized event, mm-hmm, right? If the mm-hmm. building, for example, you know, the road got cut, you know, they couldn't get into their existing building. Uh, Anthrax attack, you know, threat, you know, threat, or those kind of things. Then they need a secondary space that they can, you know, go there work. So the space, you know, lots of people think, you know, why can't they just, you know, go to a hotel and rent a room, you know, conference room, whatever, get it working. The problem is, you know, the space needs to be, you know, very reliable. Like it's power, needs the internet, and not just any internet, right? Mm-hmm. The business these days they worry about the hacking and. Normally, they don't allow to access information from any random IP. Mm-hmm. So in our case, you know, every year they can come in, do a drill, test it, make sure the process is working. So they can, uh, they know if they have a need, they can come in. Everything is ready for them. So, so Kat, you know, in terms of uh, the the companies that would would potentially come in, would they in this disaster recovery area? W- would you describe it as primarily kind of office space, or is it? Uh, do they also perhaps back their servers up in the disaster recovery we're area? Gonna, we're going to have hot desks and we're going to have private suites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then and in terms of uh, when you say hot desk, what does that mean? So right now we have a space and there's multiple desks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, uh, it's really nice. It's lined up. And that's kind of what we imagine uh, renting out. Yeah. And then uh, they would be, uh, it would be already internet, internet connected, mm-hmm. right? So these are cubicles that are wired already. Have you know internet drops if somebody want to secure the connection. Also, we have Wi-Fi available. So internet is you know there are multiple internet service providers, mm-hmm. and uh, you know of course what I mentioned about generators. So uh, multi, actually multiple generators that would make sure the system is always available for these users. It almost sounds like, uh, you know, even for someone that's maybe starting up and it's not quite a it's not a disaster recovery uh, scenario. Mm -hmm. But if they needed some space to really work on their project, I mean, Mm -hmm. this would be a perfect space to do it in. Yeah, actually, that's a good suggestion. You know, we were thinking about that, you know, when no no disaster, you know, the space is empty, we can make it as a co-working space and innovation and, you know, those kind of things. Yeah, definitely. So so there is uh, uh, some. Uh, flexibility, I guess, with in, in terms of how you want to uh, leverage this, this space. Right, right. Because right now our focus has been, you know, building the data center. So mm-hmm. this space for disaster recovery in terms of using it as a co-working space, you know, we, we my understanding is a lot of people live in North Shore, they come into downtown. This would be perfect for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's right in the middle line tech park. Right. It's great. So I do want to talk to you more about the data center part of the, the build. I'm mm-hmm. going to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this uh, short break to continue our conversation with Richard Zhang and Kat Windham from Surfpack about data centers. And, of course, we'll talk about the Internet. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Bush Consulting. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum, and if you're just joining us, we're talking to Richard Zeng and Kat Winham from SurfPack about infrastructure that serves up the Internet. And of course, right before the break, uh, we were talking about the the new build that uh, uh, Richard and, and Kat, you folks are now currently got all your resources um, pointing to, and we talked a little bit about the the uh, disaster recovery portion. But the kind of the the main thing now is the data center, and the and you said that 
you know, this is probably one of the few data centers that's that's uh, in a protected zone. I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, it's not subject subject to uh, tsunamis and 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 that kind of um, natural occurrence or natural disaster. Uh, but in terms of what exactly does thirty thousand square feet of data center offer Hawaii? I mean, why is this important to Hawaii in terms of you know getting connectivity or getting getting their content or getting their applications? Right, right. Yeah, data center actually is a very important component of the internet infrastructure. Uh, because most people didn't realize, you know, they just use iPhone mm-hmm. or talk to Alexa, they get information, it's great. But in the back end, you know, these big companies, they all have this giant server farm somewhere in the internet. Actually, the closer to the user, the better. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if the if this infrastructure is, you know, this data center is not working, then they couldn't serve the content. That means when you talk to Alexa, they couldn't give you the answer. When you look at your iPhone, you couldn't see the pictures. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the example of uh, like eSports is also another one where it's it's uh, it requires low latency, and mm-hmm. low latency means that it has to be quick to respond to the server that's serving up that particular esports or application. Right. And yeah. you know one of the problems that uh, we have in Hawaii is that a lot of those uh, esports games are are located somewhere else. Right. Right. So yeah, that's that's you know people obviously we're lucky living in Hawaii, but I guess it's unlucky that to access the mainland servers. It takes about a 60 to 70 milliseconds of latency. Mm-hmm. And this is just physics. There is nothing you can do. It right. doesn't matter how much money you put in, how much pipe. So, you know, if you know, you know the case of esports or, you know, other games like first shooter, you know, it's like that's going to kill you if it's like 60 seconds, 60 milliseconds delay. Now, in terms of uh, things like um, uh, streaming content, <clears throat> I mean, everybody goes home, they watch their Netflix or you know, things like Amazon Prime or, you know, CBS Plus or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or All Access. Um, how does the data center, what role does the data center play in terms of serving up that kind of content? Yeah. So uh, for streaming video, you know, normally there is a way to kind of buffer the traffic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for other applications, let's say interactive applications, let's say, you know, for businesses, lots of people go into the route of using virtual desktop. So when you access those content, it's, it's very important to have low latency. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also another application would be when you download a large files, you know, pictures or engineer does, you know, I know lots of engineering firms use trying to use AWS for the engineering 3D rendering of those applications. The latency can really be a big problem for these uh, business applications. Now, in terms of your, your uh, data center, do you envision it being primarily for local businesses in Hawaii, or will there be sort of the, the, the nationals and the multinationals, you know, be it the, the Googles or the Facebooks or the, you know, the um, AWS or, or, you know, any mm-hmm. of those national brand names. Right, right. So that's a, that's a really good question. So uh, the, the first, I guess, the priority is local business, right? And because there are lots of, you know, local, like, say, hospitals or banks, and they need to store the information locally so the users can access fast and reliable. You know, people always say, okay, there is fiber to the mainland. I can put my content in the mainland. But what if there is a fiber cut? Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. It happened a few years ago in, I think, uh, in Asia. There's a big earthquake, you know, undersea earthquake, and, uh, you know, s- cut some undersea cables and really affecting lots of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
in our case, you know, for the fiber cut, you know, you're talking about months of, you know, repair time. So, so that's why you do need to store the information locally in Hawaii. So the primary target is the local business. Of course, we try to attract the mainland providers. You know, lots of people move the, their business applications to like AWS or Azure. So we want to bring those providers in Hawaii so we can provide low latency uh, applications. So even though you know we hear a lot about Azure, we hear about AWS, mm-hmm. do those servers reside do those servers reside in Hawaii or do they reside somewhere else? Yeah, they reside somewhere else because normally for these giant companies they build this large data center themselves mm-hmm. and uh, they just put a server over there. So the closest one to Hawaii is still, you know, West Coast. Now, is there would there be any interest as a result of your building this this data center space for mm. perhaps servers like uh, what AWS builds to locate at your data center? Yeah, that's one of the goals. So we want to attract these large, you know, content providers and it's got CSPs, bring them to Hawaii, so people can can you know really send an application between the mainland and the Hawaii at any time. So if you have you know, like low latency applications you can store in Hawaii, but if you want some, you know, large data you want to put in the mainland as a backup, you can do that too. So now, now in terms of uh, the other, there's other data centers in in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, you know, to name a few, I mean, you got you got DR Fortress, you got Endeavor, you got mm-hmm. the, um, the Aloha Nap folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, are are they doing something? They're doing something similar. I mean, they need to attract the same kind of local customers. They're trying to attract the the name the name brands as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, is there continual need for more data centers? I mean, what's the demand for data center space? Yeah. There's, there's actually, there's a big demand for data center. You know, it used to be all the enterprise running the all data centers, right? Mm-hmm. The banks, the hospitals. Their own. Their own data right, center. Right. But, you know, as anything like technology related, you know, it's, the, it's getting more complex and a lot of these enterprises, they look at the market, they say, you know, why, you know, I'm doing banking, I'm doing hospital, why do I need to be in the data center business? Mm-hmm. Why do I need to run my own data center? So they would rather give the headache to, you know, providers so they can worry about all the details. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned fiber, and I, I want you to kind of share uh, the your perspective on, on connectivity in terms of, especially data center uh, uh, access, fiber versus wireless. And just so, so you know, people understand the, the concept of connectivity via, you know, high-speed fiber versus, mm-hmm. let's say, going, going wireless. Yeah. So the, the, the fiber and the wireless is both a great technology, but the application is a little different. So, you know, everybody wants to go mobile. You know, people want to access information anywhere they want. So that's why you see the big push for 5G, mm-hmm. you know, doing wireless. That's for the consumer access, it's great. Mm-hmm. But once you go to the network backbone, fiber is the way to go because mm-hmm. fiber in terms of reliability, in terms of the, you know, the capacity, is just wireless just couldn't deliver. Yeah, so, uh, and so, Kat, I mean, in terms of uh, this, this sort of next phase of, of Surfpack, I mean, how do you see bringing, <laughs> bringing all the right customers into, into the data center? Right now, we're doing some marketing campaigns, and not just that, it's really word of mouth. Like you said, Surfpack at one point was a r- pretty good kept secret. Right. So, um, you know, we've been doing name recognition, marketing, um, and our, you know, our service is what people know us by. So I think that's going to take us to that next step. 
Now, uh, Richard, in the last like 15 seconds, can you tell me what a, a tier four is? <laughs> yeah, so uh, the, there's a company called the Uptime Institute. They classify the data center at different levels. So tier one is the basic, tier four is the highest level. So what are we going to do is we're going to do the tier four, which is the highly redundant. Anything is broken, we have, you know, data center So, So where can people find out more information about Surfpack? Uh, Surpack.com. Very good. I'll put that up on our show notes. Richard Zeng is the president, and of course, Cat Windham is the director of operations over at Surfpack. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Bert. And thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we will find out about a novel sterilization tool using your smartphone. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email me at bitemarks at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR One every Wednesday or anytime via the HPR app, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You stay awesome, and we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. I wish to